This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence, and integrity with Dan Monroe. Alrighty, welcome back to Brojo Online. And today's going to definitely be a little bit of an opinionated rant. I have done at least three minutes of Google-based research, so I'm fully informed. I'm going to talk about the uh, my perspective on the battle between political correctness and free speech that I'm seeing played out. You know, it's been playing out my entire life, but it seems to have really heated up over the last few years. You know, I remember the jokes around political correctness when I was younger and the ridiculousness that it brought into uh, my office uh, situation where people couldn't even talk properly. But I've also seen, you know, what happens when free speech gets out of control. I've seen the rise of hate groups and hate rallies and all sorts of stuff going on there. So I thought I'd have a look at this from, I'll try to take an unbiased perspective and look at the strengths and weaknesses of both of these paradigms, both political correctness and free speech. And essentially what I want to try and focus on is bring up the questions that might lead to a resolution in this conflict. Maybe it's a conflict that doesn't need to be resolved, but it's certainly a conflict that is getting ugly. And that ugliness is surely to be unhelpful. I wanted to start from the beginning, so I actually looked up the definitions of these two terms. And I think one of the problems, as we'll cover today, is that people don't even know the definitions of these things that they're fighting for. Or they've broadened the definitions to include all sorts of political and religious concepts that have nothing to do with these two terms. So, political correctness is the avoidance of forms of expression or action that are perceived to exclude, marginalize, or insult groups of people who are socially disadvantaged or discriminated against. Okay, that's political correctness. Free speech, freedom of speech, is a principle that supports the freedom of an individual or a community to articulate their opinions and ideas without fear of retaliation, censorship, or sanction. Now, as I was looking at this, I was imagining in a Venn diagram, like, where do these things cross over in such a way that they're incompatible? Because those two definitions on the surface look like they should be compatible. Where the crossover happens in political correctness, the first part, the avoidance of forms of expression or action. The word expression there, what we'll need to figure out is what does that word mean? What's the difference between an expression and an action? Is this a difference between speech and movement? For example, the difference between saying, I don't want to hire a woman and actually following through on not hiring a woman. Is there a difference between those two things? You know, in freedom of speech, it talks about being able to articulate yourself without fear of retaliation. So the actual idea that you're somehow entitled to not experience an emotion of fear, it's a weird thing to be entitled to, because who knows what you're going to be afraid of. Uh, retaliation, what does that word mean? Does retaliation simply mean rebuttal, somebody speaking against you, or telling you that they think you're wrong for saying that, free speech versus free speech, or is retaliation some form of physical harm? So again, both of these have definitions where the form of expression or action is unclear, perhaps, 
or at least it's open enough for people to misinterpret it, either willfully or accidentally, and then take this off in an unhelpful direction. Because my first look at these definitions, I think, if someone's able to speak their mind, articulate their opinions and ideas, it doesn't say pretend their opinions and ideas are facts, it just says articulate them. They're able to do that, and PC means to avoid discrimination in some sort of unfair, harmful way. On the surface, it looks like these two concepts should be able to live in harmony, as long as a certain line isn't crossed, as long as free speech does not cross over into physical, some sort of physical discrimination that's bad. And this is where, again, it gets very subjective, and I think this is why these two things have spiraled out of control. What is discrimination? Is it always bad to discriminate on certain principles and certain factors of a person? So we can see already in the definitions that there is room for this to go wrong. And it has, hasn't it? Let's move forward from the definitions onto looking at what are these concepts in the real world? What's happening with them? So I've had a bit of a look around. I've, I've done more than five minutes research, at least seven minutes. I've had a look at, you know, what's associated with the concept of political correctness and what's associated with the concept of free speech. How are these things represented in the modern world today? So with political correctness, we get things like the leftist political movements. We get things like feminism. We get things like colleges and universities, you know, academia, students. We even get some more stronger ideas like Marxism and stuff being loosely attached and, and what I thought was really important is that it tends to be associated with groups or communities. So when I search for things like political correctness, I get website like HuffPost, or I get a movement like Black Lives Matter or the Me Too kind of concept. It's like these anonymous groups of people seem to be most associated with PC. Whereas when I look up uh, free speech, I see kind of the opposite. I see the manosphere, uh, the red pill movement for men. I see right-leaning political movements and right-leaning conservatives being represented. Where PCs associated with colleges and universities, I see free speech associated with like the middle class, with the workers. And I see it being attached to individuals, Jordan Peterson, Donald Trump, Sam Harris, especially white male individuals. So PC is leftist, and it's group-based, collectivist, and free speech seems to be rightist and individual. Now that's just my perception. This is an opinionated piece. Who knows what I'm missing? But we see straight away that there's some clear differences, and what I'm noticing is while there seems to be a lot of room for collaboration in the definitions... When we actually look at how these two things are represented in the community, we can see it's going to be very hard for collaboration to happen. It's going to be difficult, say, for feminism to collaborate with men's rights. It's going to be difficult for leftist politics to collaborate with right politics. It's going to be difficult for students to collaborate with middle-class workers. It's going to be difficult for anonymous companies and movements to collaborate with individual leaders. So we can see that while the, the definitions, if left as they were, they could find a kind of working arrangement with only a few conflicts, the groups that these two definitions have polarized themselves into, 
would find it very difficult to work together. And so that stood out to me straight away is that this kind of banner idea where underneath political correctness and underneath free speech are these movements, these groups of people that have a lot in common with the other people inside the group, but not a lot in common with the people from the opposite group. And yet there's nothing really in the definitions that explains this strongly. So we can see that at some point along the lines, perhaps the, the interpretation of these definitions has been stretched. Freedom of speech has been interpreted as a, as a masculine, right-leaning, working-class, individualistic thing. And yet it's, it's bizarre, because why couldn't a leftist group speak freely? There's no reason why they couldn't be associated with that, and yet they're not. And the same applies to political correctness. There's really no reason why um, men who are right-leaning, middle-class workers, couldn't care for people who are disadvantaged. There's nothing to stop that from happening. So where do they clash? From my outside uh, kind of perspective, the clash is sometimes obvious and clear where the line is drawn, and other times muddled and confusing. For a start, there's the facts versus feelings debate. So in general, the argument against PC is that there's too much emphasis placed on feelings and not enough emphasis placed on facts. They're quite often accused of having their facts wrong. If we take an example of, say, the feminist movement, one of the biggest points, sore points of difference or arguments against feminism is their factual claim of the gender pay gap. You know, a lot of the right-leaning, free speech supporting people uh, have investigated this fact and claim it to be incorrect, that it's not nuanced enough, that the gender pay gap can be explained by personal choices rather than gender. So there's this, that's an example of where sort of the free speech right has uh, taken great issue with the politically correct left. But this gets confusing because it goes both ways. The free speech right then goes on to allow someone like Donald Trump to say whatever comes to his mind, whatever he feels like saying. A lot of those people that are pro-free speech also, uh, by their behavior, appear to be pro-opinions presented as facts, which is not a far stretch from feeling presented as fact. You know, we see a lot of people who are pro-free speech also being anti-science or anti-climate change. These things like blur over each other. The arguments they have against each other, they also commit those sins themselves. And I've seen this, I'll go into this a bit more detail later, but I've seen this quite a few times. One of the other things they seem to clash on is terms and definitions. What is discrimination? What is speech? What is censorship? Everybody seems to have their own opinion about what these words mean. I mean, they're clearly defined in dictionaries, but... Even, like I mentioned, the term politically correct and the term free speech, people have been pretty loose and wild with what these things mean. You know, there's nothing in the definition of freedom of speech that says that you can incite a riot. It says you can articulate your opinions and ideas, but it doesn't say that you can use speech to provoke a white nationalist movement, for example. And yet people say freedom of speech when they use speech to invoke a harmful movement. 
So they're stretching that definition, they're adding things to it that aren't really there. And you get the same thing happen with politically correct. Their idea of who is socially disadvantaged or discriminated against becomes basically an opinion. Sometimes they're absolutely spot on, but other times you've got to wonder where did they get that idea from? And we'll look at this a bit more lately. What do they mean by marginalize or insult? And particularly the word insult. Sometimes the word offense is used. It's like how the fear of retaliation is included in free speech. The idea of being insulted or offense, which is included in political correctness, is very subjective. Who's to say how any one individual will feel? Some people can have really bizarre, abnormal emotional reactions to normal situations. And yet this determines and definition of what it means to be offended. When does it matter that you're offended or insulted? You know, there's there's a big difference between a white guy, like if we got like a white guy yelling at a black guy and calling him the N-word, there's a big difference between that and somebody saying, you know, I really don't like it when gay people get married, but saying it in a calm, rational way and not actually trying to stop them getting married. They're not the same and yet the level of offence could be the same. So what's what? What does the definition of insulting a group of people actually mean? Because politically correct seem to ride pretty heavy with that one, just like free speech rides pretty heavy with the idea of no matter how much harm I can do with my words, you can't stop me, you shouldn't even try to moderate me at all. And I think where they clash in the most confusing way is it's kind of the debate between science and tribalism. Both of these groups are happy to refer to scientific statistics and studies until it doesn't work for their argument, and then they go rogue. And so it appears to me anyway. It seems to me that the tribe is given precedence over the truth. Politically correct will claim that people are being marginalized even if there's no evidence for it. Free speech will claim that people who are being marginalized aren't as long as it justifies further free speech, so to speak. So it seems to me that both groups have a clash with science at certain points in time. And then they that uh, combines into their clash with each other. What I get looking at this PC versus free speech thing overall is that this is really quite a philosophical debate. There's some really difficult to answer questions in here that may not have an objective answer, only subjective opinions. You know, one of the greatest uh, philosophical dilemmas ever presented, I can't remember who put this forward in the first place, is about the concept of tolerance. Does tolerating intolerance, um, is that included in the definition of tolerance? You know, if we're supposed to be a tolerant society, does that mean that we tolerate people who are intolerant? And what does it mean to tolerate? There's a difference, perhaps, between tolerance and acceptance. You know, I can accept that there are hateful people out there, but it doesn't mean I have to put up with their shit. But I won't try and stop them being hateful, I just won't let them cross my particular boundaries. So one of the, you know, one of the difficulties I see, especially with political correctness, is they seem to try and shut down people that they deem as intolerant, uh, which is actually intolerant of them to do. They won't let them speak. This is one of the key arguments of free speech. You know, even if you think I'm intolerant, you still will let me say my piece. But then it goes both ways as well, doesn't it? Because the people in the free speech 
do not wish to tolerate those who they cannot tolerate. Ironically, quite often in the free speech community, you see its leaders trying to shut down speakers from the uh, politically correct community, trying to censor them, sanction them, retaliate. There's a philosophical debate. When does free speech become hate speech? Is there a difference? Is there a difference between articulating your opinions and ideas and deliberately trying to influence and provoke harmful discriminatory behavior? Is free speech, or should free speech, be totally free? That is a philosophical debate. Now, free speeches would say yes, but they can't deny that we can directly link hate speech with hate action. You know, all the most hateful things that people have done were inspired originally, verbally. You know, if you look at Hitler, it started with the speeches. If he hadn't been allowed to talk like that, there may have been no Nazi movement. So at what point does the speech itself become considered a harmful action? That's a philosophical debate. It's a difficult one to answer, but it's an important one. When does it? When is it no longer speech? It might look like speech, or should I say sound like speech, it's people talking. But if it, it can be sort of proven with psychological science to be highly likely to provoke harmful behavior, is it still just speech? And of course the difficulty on the other side of that with political correctness is they don't want to even take the risk of allowing it to happen so that we can find that line. They want to shut down speaking before it takes place. And at what point does political correctness actually become discrimination itself? It claims to be the avoidance of anything that excludes or marginalizes or discriminates. And yet it can become discriminatory. You know, it's one of the key... uh, Obviously, I'm aware of it being a white male. One of the key complaints from the white male community, if there is such a thing, is that we're starting to feel discrimination, perhaps for the first time in history. We're not even being allowed to say the wrong thing. We're not even being allowed to speak at all. And it seems remarkably hypocritical for something called political correctness to discriminate against a group. At what point does political correctness become thought control? Where's the line there? Where's the line of reasonableness, of moderation? And that's one of the problems is, you know, like I said, the definition, if you just step back and just be commonsensical, look at the definition and go, yeah, it's pretty good to try and stop people who are disadvantaged from getting fucked over. That's kind of how you can read the definition. And yet, at what point does it become this kind of take the disadvantaged and give them advantages until they become the advantaged. Where does the line end? You know, you can see this especially in the career space, where they do um, hiring policies to try and balance out, say, gender or ethnicity or something like that. At what point do they cross the line where merit is actually being overridden? Where someone who's worse at the job gets it merely because they're perceived to be in a socially disadvantaged group? And anybody speaking up about this is punished. Where it becomes that kind of dystopian 1984 thought control thing. We are not even allowed to voice concern about what's happening. It's one of the key arguments of free speech. We should be allowed to speak against political correctness. At least speak against it, they say. 
But then, of course, once that door's opened, it can lead to hate speech. So both of them, they have this kind of problem where as soon as you open the door, you know, quite extreme things are condoned or allowed to take place. How do we filter that? How do we allow reasonable behavior? You know, one of the probably the arguments that I'm leading up to at the end is that the the key kind of fighters in both of these camps have lost sight of reasonableness. The way I look at these two definitions is they could totally work together with only a little bit of conflict and probably quite healthy conflict. There's always going to be a line where we figure out, you know, when does politically correct become too controlling? When does free speech become too wild and intolerant of harmful behavior? You know, those are, those are quite reasonable debates that will probably continue forever. But we've got this polarization now where that debate's that's on the backbench compared to what's being yelled about. And I think one of the key philosophical debates in this issue is what is speech and what is action? What is expression and what's action? Political correctness probably should not be limiting expression, but they seem to want to do it so that they can limit harmful action. And at what point is that line crossed? You know, we saw the, is it James Damore, the guy from Google? Now, essentially, he just expressed an opinion. Um, it was quite a scientific one about women in the IT space. And he got fired for that. But he didn't actually stop any woman from being hired. He didn't actively take an action that prevented women from working at Google. He was fired nonetheless. Was his expression actually an action worthy of punishment? In fact, until it was publicized, Google had largely ignored it and ignored him. So it, there'd obviously been no painful result from him expressing his ideas that anybody thought worthy of notice until it was publicized. So he was definitely retaliated against, censored and sanctioned. Yet all he did was express himself. No harm would have come of it if he had just been ignored. Perhaps that's a line that measures. If you ignore the expression, does no harm come of it? If harm comes of it even if you ignore it, then is that the time that political correctness needs to stamp in? You know, this is one of the killer philosophical debates is at what point do you move from being a bystander to an intervener? You know, if there's a group of people getting together and talking hate speech, as long as that's all they do, then there's really no reason to get involved. But at what point do you realize, hey, if I don't get involved, this speech is going to lead to action, and this action is going to be really intolerable? We can clearly see, again, with, with Nazi Germany, somebody didn't step in when the stepping in point came. Somebody didn't go up to Hitler during one of his little pub rants and say, dude, you need to cut out this fucking hate speech or we're going to have ourselves a problem. The line was difficult to see. By the time he was doing the damage, it was way too late. And we can see the the idea of political correctness. If somebody had been there to prevent the Jewish people from being discriminated against at the right place in the right time, a lot of horrific harm could have been avoided. So these are philosophical debates, aren't they? And maybe these questions are unanswerable. In which case, we need to look at the questions that are answerable. Let's start by just giving a quick nod to the strengths of both of these movements. The strength of political correctness is obvious. It's fighting for those who can't fight, speaking for those who don't have a voice, ironically. 
And political correctness in general seems to be in support of humanism. Now, I'm not totally on board with humanism, because I don't believe humans are the only valuable living creatures on this planet. But political correctness is really along trying to get to that idea of doesn't matter what your skin color is, doesn't matter what's hanging between your legs, you are no less valuable than another great ape called a human. And I see that as being a strength, essentially. We've always had the human race discriminate on very arbitrary terms. Discrimination itself is simply excluding based on equality. And this is obviously sometimes helpful. You know, if I'm picking a sports team, I want the people who are good at sports, or I'll discriminate against people who are bad at sports. Otherwise it's kind of pointless even playing. But humans, we've always discriminated on very arbitrary terms, discriminating on skin color, culture, nation of birth, physical ability, when the job only requires mental ability, gender, sexual preference. These are things that there really isn't any reliably strong scientific evidence to support that these people are somehow less valued than anybody else, that these groups or these defining characteristics actually tell you shit about an individual and their merit. So the politically correctness movement seems to me was originally about trying to avoid that very arbitrary, unhelpful, very pointless discrimination. Of course, it's gone so much further than that. And the strengths of freedom of speech, again, are obvious. How are you supposed to get a progress of ideas if new ideas cannot be spoken? There's almost nothing more harmful to a community's growth than an echo chamber. You need to have conflict, healthy conflict of ideas. We need to be critical of each other. If somebody's doing something harmful, we need to be able to speak up against it. If somebody's got a good idea, they need to feel safe to provide that idea so the rest of us can benefit from it. Freedom of speech supports the individual to express themselves, to be shameless about who they are, to have a chance of making a difference, I guess you could say. So both of them provide actually quite strong support of each other as, as concepts. There's freedom of speech in political correctness, letting those who can't speak have a voice. And there's political correctness in freedom of speech, allowing for progress over blind discrimination through the discussion of ideas. And this is what I mean when I look at these two concepts, it seems clear to me that they, on paper at least, they could work together. And that's why it's so interesting and fascinating that the reality is they don't. So how did this happen? How did two reasonable ideas that have all the pieces of the puzzle needed for collaboration do not collaborate? And how is it that they're embattled? How is it that they're so fucking polarized? Well, let's have a look at the weaknesses of each. Try to be unbiased and fair about this. Let's start with political correctness. A couple of things, a few of the things I noticed that political correctness kind of undermines itself and polarizes the free speech crowd away from it. Perception of exclusion. When political correctness first made an appearance, the exclusion of, dis of disadvantaged groups was a lot clearer and a lot more factually based. There was definitely an illegal and or illegal by today's standards and unethical pay gap between the genders when feminism first started. You know, there was a difference of treatment between the genders when political correctness came in. You could measure it. 
you could prove it with scientific fact. Now these days the facts actually show something more like we're both suffering, men and women, but in different ways. Women are more likely to be sexually assaulted, but men are more likely to die from suicide. There's this kind of, yeah, we've got, we've, we've all got problems and it's actually kind of balanced, if anything. And yet if someone was to say, I perceive women as being disadvantaged, or I perceive men as being disadvantaged, then that's all that's needed in the politically correct world. No citations required, no strong evidence. You could cite a couple of polls from some left-leaning blog, and that's all you need. So perception has been prioritized over fact, and you're going to lose rational people, and the, the rational people are much more likely to be on the free speech side of the argument than they are to be on the PC side of the argument. The definition of disadvantaged is blurring in political correctness. It used to be, you know, you can measure it with money, you can measure it with longevity of life. There was these kind of key quality of life factors that you said, see, this group, in general, they die earlier, they get paid less, life sucks. And that's still true for many groups. You know, political correctness is still a necessary force in the sense that there are some groups that are really fucked over and they can't get out of the trap because of the history of being fucked over. But then political correctness looks away from those groups and focuses on other people calling them disadvantaged when perhaps they're not. You know, one of the greatest arguments, of course, is that what is feminism these days? You know, you can focus on the pay gap between men and women while overlooking the suicide rate gap between men and women, or the imprisonment gap, or the death in the workplace gap. Who's really disadvantaged if both groups are suffering? How can you say one's disadvantaged when neither seems to have a major advantage? There are some groups that are definitely disadvantaged, but not all of the people in that group are disadvantaged, and yet they're getting lumped in together. You know, I can think about this uh, with, like, African-Americans. Like, there's no doubt, statistically, they get fucked over by police, they have poor schooling opportunities and stuff compared to other nationalities, but that doesn't mean all of them are disadvantaged. It doesn't mean that if your skin is dark, you're some sort of loser that doesn't stand a chance. And you're politically correct will treat them as such, allowing for abuse, perhaps, of the system. And overlooking the fact that there's plenty of pale-skinned people out there who also had a shit school experience, who also got beaten up every day. And the idea that race really might not be the most important factor. It may have moved towards something more like poverty. You know, or perception of race. I'm not saying I know what's actually going on here, but the idea of who's disadvantaged becomes very opinionated. We also get the broad strokes definition of discrimination and political correctness. The word discriminate is given a bad rap. As I mentioned before, discriminate simply means sorting things into categories and deciding who gets a priority. Sometimes that's a good thing to do. You know, if, if people are hiring scientists, I want them to hire the brainiest people. I don't care who those people are. I don't care what race they are. I don't care what gender they are. I want them to be the smartest. I don't want it balanced out in a, in a field like science, just to balance it out. The only balance I want is that the smartest people are at the top. 
Now, where the perhaps uh, people who could be smart are getting disadvantaged, like in the schooling system, that's where I could see some changes of balance making it so that by the time you get to the top level of science, anybody can be there. Absolutely. But this discrimination, this idea that just because some people have, say, disadvantages in one part of their life, that they should be advantaged in another, that can get really dangerous. And it's difficult to talk about, and this is where the free speech people have one of their biggest beefs, is to even point this out will bring about harsh feedback. To even say, hey, look, just because women can be in the army doesn't mean half the army should be women. To say something like that is going to bring out a retaliation, prevents any meaningful discussion being had, because as soon as you say, hey, let's exclude someone from something, the word discrimination is used, and it's an insult. It's an accusation. And it's also a certain type of discrimination. And this is where a lot of the, the white men in the free speech side of the camp have an issue. When white men are discriminated against, the politically correct movement has nothing to say about that. They seem to be cool with it. Like a balancing of the books. This weird you-get-to-pay-for-your-father's-sins approach. Or your race, uh, your gender is already advantaged and you're considered to somehow get a win from that. So if I'm a poor, disadvantaged white guy, I'm expected to just take it because the rest of my race and gender are supposedly advantaged. It's not considered discrimination if I miss out based on my poverty. So that kind of discrimination but only against certain people that we want to support at least this is the perception of political correctness. There's also this concept of political correctness of preventing abuse that has not even occurred yet. You know, one of the ones that stood out to me is the balance of genders in the level of CEO. You know, it's one of the common, say, feminism complaints is that most CEOs are men. It comes with a presumption that women want to be CEOs. I mean, I don't want to be a CEO. I'm a man. Fuck that for a job. It's an awful job. It's like assuming everybody wants to be president. No, they don't. Now, if women who want to be CEOs are being prevented from doing so, then by all means that should be addressed. But are they? Or are you just assuming because there's a large representation of males that women have been discriminated against? Are they even trying to go for it? You know, this idea that you're trying to solve a problem without knowing if it is a problem. Just calling it a problem because you saw an imbalance in the numbers. You know, men are overrepresented in the police force, women are overrepresented in nursing, but maybe they want to do those jobs. Maybe there is some gender bias in what we choose to do, and it's got nothing to do with being raised to play with trucks and dolls. But actually, men have the physicality and the aggression that leads them to want to be a cop. And women have the compassion and empathy that leads them to want to be a nurse. Now, that might not be the case. But what's happening is just this assumption that actually women want to be cops and they're being denied. And men want to be nurses and they're somehow being denied. But is that true? So this idea of trying to fix a problem that might not be a problem. We're also seeing censorship of people who cannot actually cause much harm. You know, one of the, uh, the sort of most prominent figures in free speech is Milo Yiannopoulos. He's generally considered to be alt-right, which is kind of weird, because he's like gay for black guys or something, but anyway, he's considered to be 
someone like a politically correct movement would consider him to be the enemy essentially he's very uncorrect politically but what they'd do is they would actually shut him down from giving a speech to a private audience of his own fans that's bizarre to me because what harm can come from the people who already agree with him listening to him some more now if he was to incite hateful actions sure but he doesn't do that he basically just rants his ideas, gets an applause, and goes home, and the rest of the audience goes home as well. Now, if he was to corrupt some youth or something, perhaps, but to shut him down talking to his own people, it's like trying to prevent a priest from speaking at church. Like, he's not going to be saying anything they don't already agree with. He's not going to be changing people in any harmful way. And yet PC will do this. They'll shut down someone who can't actually infect anybody who isn't already infected, so to speak. And that seems bizarre to me, because political correctness seems to be about the prevention of harm. So if no harm's been done, what is there to prevent? Why would you get involved? And there's a selective nature. And this isn't about the definition of political correctness, and more about the people who side with it. You know, selective desires of equality versus discrimination. So political correctness will say, we want more black men in power, but they won't say we want more disabled women working in the coal mines. They say equality, but they don't actually mean equal. What they mean is the groups they perceive to be disadvantaged getting a better deal, but they don't agree with them actually getting the same deal as everybody else. They actually want a better deal, which isn't equality. That's inequality. This is one of the key arguments against, say, feminism. Is feminism uh, quite happy to fight for more women getting high-paying jobs? And of course, they should if women are being held back in some way. And they're not fighting for more women to get the low-paying jobs that men do. The janitors, the coal miners, the rubbish collectors. They're not fighting for that. So are they fighting for equality or are they fighting for the nice bits? If you look at political correctness, it should be about balancing the scales all over. And in fact, everybody's part of some disadvantaged group, almost everybody. Even a white male will be disadvantaged in some way, in some aspect in his individual life. And could do with, say, a helping hand to balance the scales. But the PC movement is more interested in a select number of groups that they've decided are disadvantaged, and decided are the only ones who are disadvantaged, and focused on making them advantaged, not even even. At least that's the perception. And perception is key here. Because if you're perceived as being unfair, you're not going to win any arguments. And political correctness is seen to be a hypocrite. Because it presents itself as the battle for fairness, but it does so in an unfair way. Now, at this point you might be thinking I'm anti-political correctness. Which, uh, full disclosure, I kind of am. But I'm also a little bit anti-free speech. So let's look at the other side of the story. The weaknesses of free speech. One of the main ones is free speech is really against censorship. But this has been broadened to include a kind of entitlement to be heard. You know, recently in New Zealand we saw there was some... They were labelled as alt-right speakers from Australia. And the venue that was hosting them ended up kicking them out. And the free speeches said, this was bad. If you can't kick someone out of a venue just because you don't like what they're saying. But that's not censorship. That's a business deciding it didn't want to work with a client. They're allowed to do that. 
That's not anti-free speech. Just because nobody wants to listen to you doesn't mean you're not free to speak. And then you get that in the free speech movement. You know that, uh, God, what's his name? Alex Jones? That, God, uh, just that crazy conspiracy guy. Huge in America. And apparently he got kicked off YouTube platform. And people are saying that this was anti-free speech. Well, why is that? YouTube is not obliged to host anybody. They could kick anybody off. That's not anti-free speech. It's just a business choosing not to work with a client. Like one person said, you know, this Alex guy could easily go down to the bus stop and rant at strangers if he wanted to. Nobody's stopping him from doing that. Just YouTube doesn't want to hire him anymore. So you get this with the free speech movement, the thing, because I should be able to say what I want, you also have to listen to it. And you have to provide the resources I need to speak and be heard wide, you know, far and wide. Well, that's not true. Free speech is limited to you opening your mouth and speaking. Nobody has to hear those words. Nobody is forced to listen to them, to accept them, to tolerate them. Free speech does not entitle you to tolerance. People are allowed to disagree with you. They're allowed to shout over you. In fact, that is their own version of free speech. You can see this with uh, Jordan Peterson. Every now and then, he goes to some university to speak. And the PC crew will come in and they'll turn up speakers and they'll shout over him and stuff like that. And the university lets them do it. Well, the university can let them do it if they want to. I mean, in my opinion, it's just awful behavior, but it's not actually anti-free speech. It's just one free speech being louder than another. If someone shouts over you, you're still allowed to keep speaking if you want. See, the difficulty is coming back to the definition that people should be able to articulate their opinions and ideas without fear of retaliation. The only way you can guarantee that you'll never have fear of retaliation is if you speak to no one. So you can go to a cave on the beach and tell yourself about your ideas. You're free to do that. But you can't guarantee or be guaranteed that people won't react in a way that scares you. You, you can't be entitled to that. It's impossible to be entitled to that without actually committing the same sins that the free speech movement accuses of politically, of the politically correct, which is to try and control other people's behavior. In fact, the only way that free speech could be safe from retaliation would be to restrict the free speech of other people, the disagreement. What we also see that's a kind of a downside to the free speech movement is that they tend as a group to stay silent about people who really abuse free speech, the hate speech. You know, you don't see the people on the free speech side of things openly condemning the white nationalists who go marching. So somebody who's doing free speech, like, it's amazing how many people in the free speech camp support Donald Trump. And yet he says some horrifically harmful things. I mean, the dude almost started World War Three. That's got to be outside of the realms of reasonable free speech. He was taunting North Korea about nuclear weapons. Why did Twitter not kick him off the platform? Why was he allowed to do that? Well, because he's orange? Because he's the president in a country that had just given up on hiring a reasonable president, so they voted the clown in? Like, free speech does not mean say anything, no matter how fucking dangerous it is. It means articulate your opinions and ideas, but it doesn't mean that you can't speak out against people inside your own camp. This is one of the difficulties with both of the PC and free speech is they won't speak out against the extremists inside their own group. 
It's like how Islam won't speak out properly against suicide bombers. Got to present a united front. Well, free speeches do that. If you present a united front, they will not risk giving points to the other camp by speaking out against idiots like Trump and Alex Jones and the white nationalists who make them look bad. In the free speech crowd, we see this kind of lack of self-critique, this kind of if it can be said, it must be said. It's like one of my arguments with the scientific community. You know, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. The same with free speech. Just because you can speak freely doesn't mean you have to say everything that pops into your mind. And yet we get a lot of this. I mean, Christ, I'm probably guilty of it right now. Me just speaking something because I can speak it. This idea, there's no, like, this. it's amazing how many reactive videos and stuff I saw on YouTube where somebody hadn't really thought through what they're saying. They didn't do their seven minutes of Google research. They just reacted because they're allowed to just react. Well, just because you have free speech doesn't mean you have to be an irresponsible little child. Do some research. Figure out the facts before you start speaking. Just because you have an opinion doesn't mean it has to be an uninformed opinion. Just because you believe in something doesn't mean it's true. It doesn't mean you should be presenting it as true. There's no reason why free speech can't be reasonable, rational speech either. We also see in the free speech side of the argument is this, this blind hatred of political correctness actually leads them to overlook relevant facts about discrimination. It does suck to be black in the United States. It is harder to be a woman than it is to be a man in most countries around the world. There's plenty of statistical evidence to show this quite clearly. And free speeches, I call them free speeches, it's that kind of whole right side of the argument, right-leaning side of the argument. It said PC is so hateful that everything they say is wrong and harmful and pointless. You know, you can see this in the manosphere quite a lot, where people argue against all the points that feminism makes. Well, some of those points are actually correct. Do you have any idea how hard it is to be a transgender person in normal society? How much shit you get for that? Do you know how scary it is to be a gay guy and to hold hands with your partner on a crowded street? There is some real discrimination out there, and it's unfair, and it's arbitrary, it's not based on real fact, and it needs to be addressed if we're to be a rational, civilized society. Just because somebody's politically correct has pointed it out doesn't mean it's wrong, and doesn't mean you have to suddenly come in with your grievance, so yeah, well they can't hand ha- hold hands, but men have higher suicide rate. Well this isn't talking about suicide rates at this point. And this is what I see a lot of in the free speech is just just contrarian arguments. As soon as somebody in the politically correct side makes a statement, the free speech side just reacts with an opposition to it. You're allowed to agree sometimes, you know. And quite often agreement would actually lead to some sort of resolution. And this is an argument really for both sides. Somebody will think just because somebody's saying something that isn't politically correct that they must be evil. And so they get censored and criticized rather than listened to what's really ironic about the free speech movement is they quite often use the argument about political correctness accusing them of using feeling over fact and yet not acknowledging that many people in the free speech space are also guilty of this sin i mean look at the trump administration and climate change a lot of the trump administration feels that climate change isn't real science community absolutely knows that it is. So just because you feel something and have the freedom to speak doesn't mean you're right. 
And to be angry at politically correct people for saying, oh, I feel that something's unfair, and they don't have factual basis for that, is fair enough, but not if you're doing it too. There's people I really admire in the free speech space, but sometimes I listen to them and I'm like, man, you're presenting opinion as fact. At what point does free speech just become lying? And is lying really what free speech is about? Protecting your ability to lie and manipulate. It's again that entitlement to be heard and acknowledged just because you say something freely doesn't mean anyone has to agree with you or listen to you or host you at their event. And what's really ironic, you know, some of the arguments I use to criticize political correctness is also an example of what free speech people do to, uh, to criticize political correctness. Like I said, why isn't feminism fighting for more women in the coal mines? Such an extreme example to use in this argument. Like, not enough women in the coal mines is a problem right now. And yet that's a free speech style of argument. They turn against politically correct, picking out these random, arbitrary, bizarre pieces of information and overlooking very real ones. Getting more women into the coal mines probably isn't a societal priority right now. Whereas getting children out of being sold into sex slavery is a real issue right now. If free speech right-leaning people don't have much to say about that. So that's kind of my critique of free speech as well. And there's some notable things that kind of happen on both sides. Like both sides have the same kind of issues in the way they argue with each other. So free speech will try to censor and sanction political correctness, which is anti-free speech to do. You know, for example, you get a lot of speakers um, that are anti-Islam. And they're not just trying to speak their mind. They're actually trying to shut Islam down. They're trying to prevent them from being allowed to be a religion. Well, how is that pro-free speech? If anything, that's just a skewed version of political correctness. So a lot of the people against political correctness are quite happy to censor and retaliate and, and put fear into the hearts of the people they disagree with. And political correctness discriminates against free speakers. So the so-called movement for non-discrimination is quite discriminatory. Like the way men's rights groups are treated by feminism. Well, for the large part, not all feminists, of course. The point I'm making is that the accusations that one side makes about the other are actually relevant to the to the ones making the accusations. Both of them are guilty of the same argument sins, the same irrationality, the same emotional craziness. And they're in this either-or battle. It's like free speech versus political correctness rather than collaboration. I mean, surely, if you're on either side of this argument, you can see that if you only have one of these, the world falls apart. If there's all free speech and no attempts to prevent discrimination, you get Nazi Germany. And if there's all political correctness, and no no allowance for free speech, you get North Korea. So, clearly, we need both. Clearly, a collaboration is going to be the healthiest and most reasonable solution. And yet, clearly, neither people on each side of the fence are really trying to make that happen. They're trying to win, whereas a win will kill us bizarre and they they each have blurred i guess goals i couldn't really figure out maybe it's just me maybe i'm stupid but i couldn't figure out what the end game is 
What is the end game of political correctness? Is it that everybody is the same? Is everybody has the same rights? Because that's already been accomplished legally in many places. Is it that everything you can think of has somehow a perfect representation of all demographic groups all around the world? Because that's kind of impossible. Is that we force people to be average so that everyone's the same? If, for example, that it turns out that uh, there's some group that has a scientifically provable advantage in a certain area that we should restrict them, what is it exactly that political correctness? What's the end game? What are they hope? What is their utopia? I can't figure it out. And the same applies to free speech. What is the utopia of free speech? Everybody on a soapbox just ranting? Everybody broadcasting every single opinion and thought that comes into their head? Or is it something more reasonable, like everybody being allowed to speak their mind, but without repercussions? At what point does fear of retaliation simply become sensitivity to critique and debate? What are they hoping for in the long run? That someone like Donald Trump can just broadcast fake information and have everyone believe him because he's the president just for the rights of free speech despite how harmful that would be is that really the goal what are you guys trying to achieve do you even know or are you just at war are you trying to win a war and you're not really sure if winning is actually going to be good for everybody not even for yourselves whenever i look at two sides to an argument i always think what's the third thing because inevitably when there's a polarized argument and I look closely at both sides, I come to the conclusion that they're both wrong. And that's what I get when I look at PC versus free speech. Not that they're both wrong, but one by itself is certainly not right. And so I ask, well, what's the third thing? Which is usually a collaboration of the best parts while excluding the worst parts of any kind of polarized debate. Well, let's start with what the real problem is here, which is tribalism. PC versus free speech has become a war simply because there's two sides. There's a strong entitlement, it appears, on both sides. This, I feel strongly so I must be right, concept. Both free speeches and politically correct have kind of given up on science, on citations, on reasonable evidence. This kind of like, well, I'm in this group so I must be right, end of argument. There's a lack of nuance in the argument. Instead of looking at each situation as it arises contextually for its pros and cons and its merits, you know, like if there's some contentious person coming to give a speech in your city, instead of going, oh, exactly what will this speech do? Let's have a look at their content. Let's listen to them. Let's give them a chance and see what happens. The politically correct movement goes, nope, they disagree with us, ban them. And free speech goes the other way too. Free speech will say, look, this guy's got some really harmful things to say about Islam, fuck it, let him talk. Without actually going, well, what is he going to say? Should we really give him a platform? You know, there's no, like, looking at each situation for nuance, kind of measuring it on an ethical scale of some way. What's the best for this situation right now? Should we be more politically correct or more free speech? Somewhere in the middle for this particular situation. There's kind of reasonable rationality is lacking from this whole argument. Both sides have become kind of banners for hatred. They've really opened the door to extremism in the way that, uh, 
you know, the Quran opens the door for suicide bombing. Political correctness opens the door for Marxism and all sorts of fucked up ideas. And free speech opens the door for white nationalism and race hate. Both of them have become banners under which hate groups can hide. I've seen feminists that have t-shirts saying, I drink male tears. They shouldn't be considered part of the politically correct movement. They're clearly discriminatory, but because they label themselves as feminism, they're allowed to hide under the banner of politically correct and do real damage. Actually doing damage to their side of the, of the argument, undermining it. And the same thing happens in free speech. I mean, Donald Trump essentially won his election on the argument for free speech, in a sense. That's probably not quite accurate, but that's how I viewed it from overseas. He's a very hateful person. He's stirring up a lot of hatred in his country. Why is he allowed under the banner just because he rants whatever bullshit comes into his head? He's not a great spokesman for the concept of free speech, but he's become one. And those feminists that say that they want to kill all men, they're not great spokesmen for political correctness, and yet they are the spokesmen. What's interesting is the leaders can appear quite reasonable and rational. It's their followers that are batshit crazy. You know, we've got a leader of the kind of free speech, it'd be Jordan Peterson. You know, if you really just pay attention to him and not his followers, he's a pretty reasonable fucking guy. He's pretty humble. You know, when he's called out for being wrong, he says, shit, I'm wrong. And he goes and looks up for the facts. And when he believes he's right, he stands up for what he believes in, passionately, but not aggressively. You know, he stands for free speech, but he's not a discriminatory person. But his followers, some of them are fucking nightmarish in their hate. That's the same for, say, like, feminism. You've got Emma Watson as a representative leader. You know, she wants women and men to come together peaceably. She's a reasonable woman fighting for equality. But the same people who follow her, you know, who, who have her face on their t-shirts, who shout and rave and rant and protest without any fucking thoughts in their head whatsoever, causing all sorts of hatred and pain, they don't represent her. So in both sides, the tribalism's really strong, even though the leaders are reasonable, the followers are just mental. You know, there's nothing like the comment section of the internet to see how crazy people really are. What I see in this tribalism is, is both of them are going for the win rather than the resolution. Free speech is going for total free speech. Political correctness is going for total political correctness. Neither of them are going for a healthy balance or a collaboration or even, God forbid, some sort of compromise. They're just going for the all-out win. It's like trying to win a nuclear war. Nobody wins in the end. But because they're being attacked and feel attacked, nobody's kind of being the bigger man and going, okay, sometimes you're actually right over on that side of the argument, and sometimes you're wrong. Let's talk about both, rather than, you're always wrong because I'm on this side. Both of them are also going way too broad in their scope. I've probably done it myself in this this podcast, but if we look at, say, free speech should be about uncensored speech. And yet somehow it strays over to uh, trying to prevent immigration, you know, and, and topics like that. Like, oh, this is this is not your fight. How'd you get into that? And political correctness is equally of guilty. You know, you look at Justin Trudeau or whatever, that uh, Canadian prime minister. He starts off as political correctness and then he just lets down his borders to immigration. 
under the banner of political correctness. That's not political correctness. That's immigration. It's a separate issue. So immigration is a great example of how both sides of this argument have really just spread themselves far and wide and gone so far beyond those definitions I talked about at the beginning. And there seems to be a timidity on both sides to draw clear lines and to stand by definitions. You know, I don't see the free speeches saying this is the difference between free speech and hate speech. Now, maybe they are saying that, and I just didn't find it in my seven minutes of research, you know. But they're too scared of kind of losing face by saying some of their faction are wrong and unrepresentative of their group. And the same in political correctness. You know, for political correctness to support Marxism is fucking mental. Marxism isn't political correctness, it's a gateway to absolute dictatorship, which is the opposite of what you're going for. So if someone on your side of the fence is pro-Marxism, you should be telling them off and calling them out and compartmentalizing them away from the politically correct movement. There should be people inside the political correct movement who are working to help the disadvantaged men, not just the disadvantaged women. The disadvantaged whites, not just the disadvantaged blacks. Disadvantaged Asians, not just the disadvantaged Latino. Whatever. Be fair on all. If you're really about being fair on all. But call it out when someone in your group isn't. When someone is abusing free speech to cause all sorts of harm, the free speeches should be the one to call it out. They shouldn't wait for the other side to point it out. They should be monitoring and managing their own. And both sides are equally guilty of this. Solutions. God, I'm not sure what the solutions are. I'm not even sure if I see the argument correctly. I've got to emphasize yet again, this is just an opinionated rant. But I look at my own life and I don't have a conflict between free speech and political correctness in my own life. I don't discriminate against disadvantaged people. I'm pretty reasonable about that. I know my girlfriend's life's worse than mine because she's a woman. It is. I know that. I don't get all up in arms about it. I don't quote suicide rates for males to her. I know that having a period sucks and I don't have to have a period and that's fine. I'm advantaged there. I don't know all my mates from around the world who aren't white have had tougher times with the police than I have. And that I need to be considerate of that. And that they may need a helping hand. Because they're not playing in the same ballpark and not playing with the same tools that I was given for free just because of my gender and race. I'm cool with that. I don't get all bitter and defensive about that. I am advantaged. And I'm respectful. That I have these privileges. Because I do. I really do. I know that. But that doesn't stop me speaking my mind. Hopefully you would have heard in this very podcast. That I've been happy to say some probably quite controversial and no doubt quite factually incorrect things. I'm not scared to speak my mind. Just because I'm a white male doesn't mean I have to keep my mouth shut. I don't feel that I'm discriminated against. Or prevented from speaking my mind. I know there's people who don't want me to say what I say, but that doesn't actually stop me opening my mouth and say it. And I don't expect people to listen to me. I'm saying this for myself. I like to get my ideas out. I'm egotistical. No one listens to me, fine. If people send me hateful emails, I'll just delete them. There's no real harm here. So I've managed to live a life that includes both respect for disadvantaged groups and... Uh, healthy uh, expression of free speech. I really find it hard to believe that these two ideas are incompatible. 
I've been able to make them compatible, and I'm not particularly smart, I'm sure anyone can do it. How have I been able to do this? I've been able to draw some lines that have not been drawn in this argument. For a start, I know the difference between an expression and an action. I know there's a big difference between me saying something like, let's say if I had an opinion, I don't, but let's say I had an opinion that uh, women in general were less likely to be effective police officers than men. If I had that opinion, I know there's a big difference between me saying it and then me as a police recruiter not hiring a woman because I'd prefer to hire a man. I know the difference between those two things. Like when I was in, um, great example, I used to work for Department of Corrections who's very politically correct. And they, they had a, like a reverse discrimination policy where we had to hire a certain amount of people who were not white. It was actually kind of written into policy. Now, on one hand, I disagree with that. I was like, I'd rather be blind and not know who I'm hiring and just know their merits and qualities. But I also understand that, you know, for, for people to become leaders in the community who were denied schooling or whatever, they might need a helping hand at the later levels of life. So I might have been a bit pissed off that sort of the whites are being discriminated against or whatever, but when I was hiring people for Department of Corrections, I went with the policies. The, you know, the difference between me saying something and me acting it out, the difference between... Uh, me joking and calling my mate gay, and then me actually doing a hateful, harmful behavior towards a homosexual man. Those are different things, and I know the difference. I moderate myself. I'm careful about how I treat people. The words that come out of my mouth might cause offense and hurt some feelings, but my fists do not hurt people. My hiring policies do not hurt people. You know, my giving goes to all. You know, I run the Brojo community. I don't care who you are. You're welcome. You know, I won't do anything that prevents you from joining based on any of your demographics. I really don't give a shit. And I'm, I'm the same with others. If someone's just saying something, I let them just say it. But as soon as they cross the line into action, I'll step up and confront them if that action is harmful. And I don't see that happening in this debate. I don't see people drawing the line, okay, you're just saying something versus... You're crossing the line into doing something, and that's different. I don't think speech discriminates, and I don't think speech can be used to justify discrimination either. I, th I have a demographic blindness, in a sense. You know, when it comes to including people in my life, as friends, as employees, as part of my community, or whatever, their age, their race, their gender, I don't give a fuck, because I know it doesn't tell me anything about them. I, I judge each person on their merits. How do they treat me? How respectful are they? How honest are they? And I know these things have no attachment to any demographics. Each individual is a new surprise waiting to happen. There's no, not even tendencies that are worth noting. So rather than restrict my options based on you know, discriminatory views of demographics, I just let everyone be an individual. And I can't see why that can't happen. It's not that fucking hard to do. Think how easy it would be to not be racist if you were blind. Like, think how easy it would be to, to judge people on their individual merits if you couldn't see their demographics, if you couldn't be influenced. You didn't know if they were a guy or a girl. You didn't know what country they were born in. And I treat, try to treat people like that. And it affects my free speech. I'm less likely to say discriminatory, discriminatory hateful things, even though I'm speaking freely. 
If I choose to be blind to the things that do not matter, the differences that are arbitrary. There needs to be more courage from the quiet ones. You know, when I look at these two movements, when I look at political correctness and I look at free speech, the loudest voices in both of those movements are also the craziest ones, with some exceptions. You know, the moderate and thoughtful people aren't speaking loud enough to drown out all the lunatic fringes. You know, it shouldn't be that white nationalists represent free speech. But they do, because the moderate free speech people are quiet. Ironically, they're not utilising their free speech. And the same with politically correct. The kill-all-men feminists should not represent political correctness, but they do. Why? Because the reasonably politically correct people are quiet. So it seems to me. And what I'm not saying is ultimately an approach of humanism. This idea, look, everyone needs both free speech and protection from unfair discrimination. So the argument should be, how do we achieve both, not how does one beat the other? Who's right and who's wrong? So that's my synopsis of free speech versus political correctness. I'm keen to hear your feedback. I'm keen to know where I'm wrong and biased and judgmental and lazy in my research as I no doubt I am, and I'm keen to hear your opinions. Feel free to speak freely about your political correctness, or whatever. Send me your thoughts, dan at brojo.co.nz, and I'll see you for the next Uninformed Rant next time.